So recently, recently, I was uh, on my phone and um, for those of you that aren't aware, somehow in the mix of technology, they figure out what you like and what you don't like. I don't know enough about technology, but they've figured out what I like. So what happens is this is, and I wonder if you sit in this camp with me, is like you click on a video and it starts with this kind of music, right? And now that's the happy music. All right, so you're in there and you're like, oh yeah, this is cool and you're enjoying it and there's something happening. And then you don't even know what's happening in the video and the music changes. And then all of a sudden you get emotional. Is anybody else like this? And then all of a sudden you're watching it and your eyes are welling up with tears. It could be just me. I'm all right. And all of a sudden I found myself in the last fortnight crying over a video clip and I didn't know what I was crying over. Has anybody ever been in that, in that? And I was like, everyone in the video clip was crying. So I was crying. And I reckon it was the music, but let me explain the context. Let's give it up for Shem. Thank you, brother. Love you, man. Great young man. So I'm watching this video. And what happens is it's a bit of a Christmas theme and the video comes up and I'm watching the video and this young guy is on a football field. I think it's his mother is there. Um, his dad is there. There's family. And they're walking around a football field and the music is really emotional and they're all crying. So I watch this video. I'm also crying. I don't know why we're crying, but we're crying. I get to the end of this video clip and I realise that he's crying because he's received a gift and the gift has moved him emotionally. Do you know what the gift was? Sunglasses. Now this flood of disappointment came into my heart and I'm like, sunglasses, why? That's not going to make me want to buy sunglasses. Why was he so emotional about these sunglasses. Why on earth would your mother give you a pair of sunglasses and then cry with you? Tell me. You know, I didn't quite understand. But what I'm realising and learning is that if you can add context to a gift, it can give it more value. I'll give you an example. I know that there would be people across uh, this place that have received uh, Christmas decorations that your kids have made. You know what? And if you're sentimental like me, they're the most precious decorations in the world, hey. But yet you see someone else's decorations without the context of their story, their kids. You go, who cares about the decorations? They're the most ugly ones on the tree, let's be honest. You know, and it's a kid with an ugly smile. They never nail the photo that goes in the middle of the star. Get ready for that with Deacon Jordan. It's never a great photo. And, but yet it gets the centre of the tree. This year, April's not in the room. She's doing registration. I can tell she hid those decorations this year. We found those decorations and when she wasn't home, front and centre on the tree. All in the ugliness because I love them. Context gives a gift more beauty. It turns out that young man was crying because those sunglasses that were given him were given to him. It turns out he was colourblind. And I don't know if you've heard about these sunglasses, but they actually have the ability to affect the eye. And for the first time, he's in the middle of a football field 
seeing vivid colour for the first time in his life. And he's overwhelmed with the beauty of the colour and the world and the definition. He's overwhelmed with emotion because of that beauty. It was not just sunglasses. His mum was crying because they were able to give him an experience that he'd never had before. Context gives the gift more beauty. Watched another video clip. The music comes in. They like what I, they know what I like. Now they're crying over a piece of paper. Now I thought maybe it was a check. I'm like, yeah, you cry when you get a check. Hallelujah. It wasn't a check. But what it was, and tell me if you've been suckered into this dream, it was an adoption paperwork. So she went through this big gift and, you know, I saw the big box and goes through all of the, box fillers and gets to a piece of paper. That piece of paper would not mean much until you understand that what that paper means is it's adoption into a family. It's more when you understand the context. Now in my life, my passion is Jesus. I don't want to think, I don't want to talk about it. If if ever there is a conversation that I can lead, I want to bring it around the context of talking about Jesus. And uh, we were having a great conversation uh, this week. I was talking uh, with my uh, dad. They're selling the house that I grew up in. Pray for them. They got the auction this week. And, you know, you start throwing around childhood memories uh, with my dad because I'm at that stage of life now where I'm seeing in my children what I was like. We've all, we've all been there. And my dad started telling me a story about how when my brother was little, my parents were those parents in the late 80s, early 90s that didn't want to buy my son a fake gun as a gift. It was a violent gift. So he used a spoon for a gun. Then he used a stick for a gun. Then he bent a clothes hanger into a gun till eventually they're like, let's get him a gun. He's wrecking everything. But what happened is everything in his world came back to the focus of what he was passionate about when he was a little kid. Now, as a believer and as a body, as a community, our number one passion at any point during the year should be Jesus. So then I want to today, and what we want to go on a journey with is adding context to the gift that is our number one focus, that is Jesus, because it gives it more value gives it more importance. And that's what this series is about. King of Peace is actually about providing another angle, another way to look, more context around the beauty of the gift that was found and what was given to us through Jesus Christ. Amen. He is not just a baby in a nativity scene. Amen. He is more than that. He he is greater than that. And Father, we pray today. That as we come around your word, Father, we thank you that in your word, it does all point to Jesus. So, Father, we pray that as we as believers here today think about the gift that is Jesus and we try to paint more context to to create more beauty, I, I pray that you will talk, Holy Spirit, to people where they are at today, what they need today to glorify you better, to make your name more famous in this season, because we love you, Jesus. 
And Father, everything in my life comes back to that you are the number one thing. You are the most important. You are the reason for this season. You are the reason for every season. We live to glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, I want to let you know that Sunday, uh, Christmas Day, uh, please come if you're available. Uh, it will be fantastic. If you're on holidays, God bless you. Uh, but for me, my heart is simple, that if there are people that want to gather as a community, Christmas Day is important. And let's set the cultural text in this community. It does not revolve around me. I'm away on holidays, praise the Lord, with my family. So I didn't want a service not to happen just because I'm not available. Because as a community, it's not about me. It's about glorifying Jesus together. Amen. Amen. So if you get passions and you've got excitement, come and see the team. Because do you know how the service happened? There was a connect group that goes, we don't want to go to another community. We want to go to a community that we belong to where we can worship Jesus on Christmas Day. So you know what I said to that group? Okay, let's do it. Amen. So you are welcome to join us. It'll be a one-hour service uh, and it'll be a good time together. On the 23rd uh, is going to be a great time. And next week is our carol service. Uh, so that's going to be good too. There'll be muffins. There'll be free coffee. There'll be kids' items. Uh, there'll be youth items. There'll be musical items. Um, it'll be a great time. So that's the week to get here. Bring your family. Have a giggle at your kids uh, and enjoy time together. Amen. So the character that we're going to be looking at in this series, which we have already started last week with, with Jazzy and she's in the East today uh, preaching there, was that we looked at a character in the Old Testament named Melchizedek. Now, when you look at this guy, it's, it's typology. He, he's actually pointing to Jesus. Now, there is some interesting uh, stuff that goes on around that uh, that we're going to lean into, but the premise is that we want to create a place where we just value the gift that is Jesus. Value the gift. Now, he was a particular character. He fulfilled two roles which were major in uh, the Old Testament. He was a king and he was a priest. Now, you heard about uh, that last week. Uh, Jazzy leaned into the priest side. They kind of cross over. I want to focus a little bit on king as well as some application. But he was a royal priest. He was a king and he was a priest at the same time. Now in the Old Testament, that they were two roles that often did not come together. The religious world and the bureaucratic uh, leadership world, they didn't often come together. But we know that it did. We know that it happened with David. We know that it happened with Jesus. We know that it happened with this character in the Old Testament. He's the first one that's referred to in the Bible to carry the title and roles of royal priest. It's absolutely amazing what's so interesting about this character. And we're going to go to Genesis 14, which would have been referred to last week. And we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, but it's also um, uh, where, where it's so interesting is in the context of what's happening at the time, is that it's Abram. It's not Abraham. That's a thing that we'll look at in a moment, which is very interesting. But what's happened is there is a war. Uh, there is a certain amount of kings that are at fight with a certain amount of Canaanite kings. So there's four kings that are in an alliance up against five kings that are in an alliance. And one lot of crew is annoyed at the other because they're not paying taxes. It's all about money. So they begin to go to war. 
about what's going on. There's unrest. So there's two alliances that, that are uh, warring against one another. In all of that chaos, Abram's nephew, Lot, gets taken. Now, what's amazing about the scenario that often people skip over when they read it is it was a king and four other kingdoms. And it was Abram and 300 men from his household that went and took them on and won. Now, we often we think about, when we think about 300, there are other stories in the Bible where it's an incredible miracle that that's happened. But yet in this one, we often skip over it. Isn't that amazing that you see for the first time, God using an absolute minority to do a great work and get a great victory because God is on their side. So what happens is they're, they're on their way back. And, and Abram has got his uh, nephew Lot and they've taken slaves and there's loot and there's stuff going on. They'd have a great treasury uh, that they're bringing back. And on the way back, they're approached by two kings. They're approached by a king of Sodom and a king of Salem. There's two guys coming. Now, one of the kings, just want to set up the context for this, uh, is uh, Melchizedek. Now, we don't know where he come from we've got no idea where he's come from now it's Abram it's not Abraham so the covenant the Abrahamic covenant hasn't been established yet so there is a figure we don't know where he came from we don't know how he encountered God we don't know how he got there and then many people look into it and say could this be a, 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 a moment where pre-incarnate Christ enters the scene. Uh, could it be something else? We don't know, but we know for sure that this figure points to Jesus. This figure, when you look at all of the context that's happening in Scripture, the location, his name's Salem, which eventually becomes Jerusalem. It's the same place. It's the same place where he also uh, is about to offer Isaac uh, as a uh, sacrifice and God stops him. All of that whole scene points to Christ and all of this scene here points to Christ. The reader would be going, okay, we are looking for a guy who's emerging out of Jerusalem, who is a king and a priest and will restore us back to God. This is what we're looking for when we read about this guy, Melchizedek. So it's an incredible scene that is unfolding. It is a guy who has recaptured or freed his nephew Lot. He's walking home and he's being approached by two kings. The way that you read the Scripture, you know that both kings are approaching him at the same time. You see the introduction of King of Sodom and then it jumps straight to the King of Salem. So what happens is they're both coming. And they're both approaching him. They both have an agenda. They both are wanting to meet with Abram. And that's when we launch into the scene in Genesis 14. And it starts in verse 17. Thank you, Brother Mark. I just was flicking there and it's also on your screen behind you. So I've tried all week to memorise these names. We're a house of grace. I don't want no correction while I read these names as best I can and no judgment. I see the judge, guys, everyone smiles like, <laughs> good luck to you. You can come up and read them. I reckon that's why pastors in other movements do the people that come up and read the scripture. Maybe we should start seeking some volunteers for that in this house. Hallelujah. All right, here we go. 
it's ketaloma when I get there. Ketaloma. But let's not focus on him. I'm focused on him. After Abram returned from defeating Ketaloma. And the kings allied with him, multiple kings. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheva. Sheva, the king of the valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram saying, blessed be to Abraham, Abram, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands. It's really interesting. What, what I love about that component you would have seen last week is when a priest, it brings blessed be Abraham and then praise be to God because they are blessing man and they are bringing God and man back together. That's what Christ did for us. What a beautiful picture. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Isn't that interesting that a tithe is given before the law is established? It's just a very interesting thing. And then the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high. That's interesting because then that's going, hey, that's the same God as Melchizedek because that's what he has said. So all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're on the same page. Creator of heaven and earth that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. So what I want to look at this morning is a few observations. The first thing that I want to look at is the type of king we serve. Now, I'll Keep referring to, because this is what the prompt is for me in this season. When you see the nativity scene, I want you to see King Jesus. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He is the saviour of the world. He was always the saviour of the world. But what happens is often our society will accept Jesus in that place, but I want us to remember his authority. He is a king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So what we see as this unfolds is there is two kings that are approaching Abram. And what happens is the king of Sodom comes, and it's very interesting, he comes with a demand. He comes with, I want something from you in order for you to have relationship with me. So you give me the people, you can keep the goods. And what happens is that there is an agenda at play. Because we know that Abram says, I will accept nothing. I've made a promise to God. I won't accept anything because I don't want you to be able to claim that I have been successful in my life by your power. I am setting myself up because I will only claim that I have been successful by the grace of God upon my life. As I pondered and I looked and I thought about that king, and that's a, that's a, a paraphrase, but that's what's happening in Scripture is I realise that in in a Christmas season and in our life in general, we need to be careful the things that we accept into our life, the relationships that are setting themselves up to try and steal glory that belongs to God or to manipulate you into a position of submission. 
What's happened, and I believe that this is an application if you're thinking about something in this season, is this. Abraham had the power of making a decision prior. It was a decision that he had made before any temptation had come up. He said, hey, let me keep the people. You can. Then he said, no, I've already, I have prior to the situation that I currently find myself in, made a decision that I would honour God by my action before I actually walk in it. Now I started thinking about this season. We're in Christmas time and why don't we need to, some of us, make a decision now that we are not going to have a go at that family member that's annoying. We're going to make a decision now. Make a decision now that I'm going to keep the peace of the household. It's not the time. It's not the place. People need to be built up in this season. People need to be strengthened in this season. Our society is tired. And we don't need to be sitting in that place, but rather encouraging and strengthening. But make the decision before you get there. You know, there are people here, let's be honest, because I sit in this camp. You go, you know what? I'm not going to overeat. <laughs> I'm in that place. And then something happens is the family get together. The room is so joyful. You're so excited. And you go, you know what? I'm just going to have a little bit more. Has anybody ever been in that place? That's good. But the problem is, I never, it's never let's start again on Monday with me. But I don't want to make a decision tomorrow. I'm going to make the decision before the time comes up. So Abram had known, hey, I'm going to choose to honour God with my life. I'm going to do with the situation that he tells me so that when the time comes, all the glory goes to him. I think that some people, especially in the environment we need to sit in, and I, and I just, because it's been in my heart for families, you need to make a decision now not to get carried away with present buying. There, there are people in our society that is spending too much money on stuff that they can't afford because of a cultural pressure to do so. Make time for your family. Stay within a budget, but make a decision now to steward this season because I think it's important to do so. The God that we serve doesn't come with an ulterior motive because when you look at who enters the scene, we see Melchizedek and he approaches with wine and bread and a blessing. So before Abram could have done anything, the king of Salem comes with a gift, with something to be received before Abram could have done anything. Now the imagery here, it really spoke to my heart. The first thing is when you look at the word for bread in the original context, some can say that that can be determined as a feast, as a big meal together. He came with what was in him to bless Abram and those that were with him. But when we read it in our context as well today, when you think bread and wine, what does that refer to in our context? What does it stimulate in our thought process? Communion. So isn't it interesting that a figure that is pointing people to Christ comes to restore and starts with what we would remember as the work of Christ to restore mankind back to its proper relationship with God. 
And what is even more interesting is the order of the text is that when we see that, wow, there, there is something that looks like communion being taken where we are restored to God, it then says that the blessing flows. So restoration and then blessing. And this is the king that has approached. You see, we need to remember when we see Christ that he came for a purpose and a reason that was not for self, but rather to honour God and to restore us as mankind back into the original relationship with Jesus. I don't just see a baby in a manger. I see a king. Now, I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus Christ is who Melchizedek pointed to. Because when we look at it, it's king of Salem. And his name is Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Salem means peace. Shalom is how you eventually get there with the root word and the original word. So it is the king of righteousness. We're restored through faith in Christ and made righteous through him. And then king of peace, through that faith, we receive righteousness. And then because of that righteousness, we receive peace with God. He is the king of peace. Now we know in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and let's go there together and read it. It says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And in this season, I never forget his goodness that he made a way for us to have peace with God. Jesus is the true king of peace. If you guys quickly turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, 6 and 11, because what I was reminded by today uh, as I read this and in our preparation is that Jesus is not just the king of peace. He's the king of everything. There isn't a realm that he doesn't have authority in. And we know that because of who he is, he's given us righteousness through faith and now peace with God. But it says this in Philippians 2, 6 to 11. Referring to Jesus, and it says, Who being in the very nature, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, amen, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's not just the King of peace. He is the King of everything. Shem, if you want to come and join me. So here are some applications. I find it very interesting in this season that out of God 
moving first, we should respond to that. We are blessed to be in relationship with God because of Christ and out of that place should come the atmosphere of our heart in a manner that we want to give back to him. There's mutual blessing that comes through a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in that scripture we see that there is food and feast and blessing given and then Abram, he moves back by saying here is a tenth. Now, I'm not talking about the tithe in this context, but what I'm talking about is that you are moved by the fact that God has blessed your life. So then something should flow out of you to want to bless Him. So an application in this season for us is, would I ask you to remember Christ first on Christmas Day? One thing we do in our family is they have this beautiful little nativity scene. Uh, that they every year try to tell a fresh story about that and it all comes out, but it all lands on Jesus. Now I'm with my family in that context and every year I am an absolute distraction and I make fun of it the whole time. But actually if I challenge that, you know what, out of what's coming out of my heart in reverence to what God has done, I want to do that well and properly with honour this year because He's the King of peace. He's the King of righteousness. And that has changed and affected my life and my destination. So when I look at the nativity scene on Christmas morning, I remember the work of Christ because He's King of righteousness and He's King of peace. And I wanna remember Him well. So could I ask that when you wake up, in this Christmas season, that we actually, we try to honour Christ whenever we can, wherever we are, whoever we are with. My prayer is that you have a fresh perspective of the nativity scene. When you gather to feast and eat, remember the work of the cross. Don't allow things in your life this year and this season to try and take away glory from God by making a decision to honour Him before the circumstance comes because of the power of a decision made beforehand. Can we stand for a moment? In Romans 5, 1, and two, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of peace, through whom we have gained access by faith, we're made righteous through faith, into the grace in which we now stand. In all that we're doing this season, can we remember Jesus? So Father, today is a community and I'll invite the band to come. Help us not to be caught up in anything else, but Father, let our thoughts always return to Jesus. Father, You are the King of Peace. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the King of righteousness. 
And Father, we thank You that there is picture all through Scripture that points to You, Jesus. So Father, help us to be submitted and obedient in this season. Because we want to honour You. So Father, right now, as I pray for our church, our community, Lord, we ask You beforehand today, are there decisions we need to make today in order to bring You honour? Are there conversations we need to hold back on to bring You glory? Father, I pray that Your peace would sit upon every household. I just believe there are several people in this room today that your, your year has not been, uh, the, the earmark of this year has not been defined by peace, but rather there's been mayhem and disruption and pain. But I feel the Lord is saying today, peace is coming to your household. Because He is the King of peace. So Father, right now, we receive your peace. You are our King. So we're just going to sing one of these carols, one more. We're going to worship God in this moment. So I'm bring the lights down and I just want to ask that we begin to participate in the worship. You have been, I'm not saying that you haven't, but we have a moment right now to honour Jesus, to remember Jesus and We've made the decision in being here beforehand that that's what we're coming to do. So as we sing this carol, Father, I pray that You'd be glorified in this place as we worship You. Let's, let's sing.